matter is about <coughs> expression and containment and uh, how they're relevant to Zen practice or and, and our lives generally. Um, but expression refers to our capacity or our ability to actually uh, share emotions, inner experience um, with other people. Basically, I mean, people might express it through art forms too, like, like drawing, music, dancing, things like that. But everyone, um, as a human being, um, has the ability to express, and we have quite a, quite a range of expression um, and means of expression within us, you know, verbally, non-verbally, and um, and that's an important part of communication and intimacy and, and relationship and our relationship with the world. So it's, it's kind of revealing something within us to the outside. Um, on the other hand, there's a, the polar opposite of that would be the ability to contain and contain when you're containing you're just with your own experience, and you can you can just be with it without having to, without ha having necessarily a need to express it, but just to savor it as it is. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's a, an unpleasant feeling like anxiety that you just contain, or it's a feeling of joy or love that you want to express. And different cultures and different ages go through. Styles, you know, where they they favour one more than the other. Sometimes, like in in British culture, which we've inherited, at least us white people have inherited anyway. Um, uh, they had the uh, you know the culture of the stiff upper lip, you know, that you you don't show your emotions, and, and people who show their emotions too too much are considered to be weak or you know um, uh, indulgent or something like that. And so that's kind of like the extreme opposite of containment. Um, and then that's how our culture was in many ways until about the 60s when there's a kind of outpouring of counterculture and hippie culture and so on. And at least in my profession, I don't know whether you're experienced or not, um, there's a lot of um, encounter groups and things like that, a lot of people going to therapy where this kind of outpouring of um, emotion and expression and so on, and um, which was a kind of a breaking out of that, that sort of more restrained way of being. Um, but then what happened when people did a lot of encounter groups, um, they were unbounded and they ended up expressing, self-disclosing things about themselves that perhaps they shouldn't in, a, in an atmosphere that wasn't quite trusting. And... Um, I know from my professional experience, you know, sometimes I went to some of them, but also we used to often get overseas experts come out, like therapy gurus would come out and run um, encounter groups, and people would, be, a lot of people would be a mess after them, and the local therapists had to sort of put people together again, you know, and stabilise them after these gurus came in, opening people up, 
and opening up their defences. So they're both important aspects of human experience, the ability to express and express freely, um, you know, our, and express our, our strength and our vulnerability, our love, our anxiety, our fears. And it's also important to be able to contain. And instead of getting caught in this black and white way of looking at it, you know, all or nothing, that either stiff up a lip is good and containing or expression is good, I think in Zen practice we're always trying to get out of this opposition of polarity and see that, see that both of those things are very important skills for a human being to have. And wisdom, in a sense, is knowing when to contain and be silent and knowing when to express. And we don't always get that right, but there's an inner kind of wisdom which guides us in that way. And some people may err on, on the side of talking too much, expressing too much, saying, saying too much about every feeling and thought that goes through their mind to their friends and so on. And it needs, needs the, the, the opposite polarity of containment at times. Because too much talking um, is not necessarily a true expression of our inner being. Right? Um, sometimes in therapy you, you realise that people who talk too much, it's just anxiety talking, you know, they're, they're sort of skimming the surface and talking all the time, like one of my clients actually said to me, if I talk all the time, it's kind of like a wall of words and you can't get close to me because I'm in control of the process all the time. Mm -hmm. You can't get in because I'm, I'm taking up the airspace. So more and more words aren't necessarily good expression or even real inner disclosure. Um, but again, you can on the other side, of it, you can have containment, which is just, rigid boundary, stonewalling, defensiveness, um, it's insecurity coming out in another way where people won't really show um, what's really inside them because maybe they, they're shameful or scared of what might be revealed. And when you look at Zen practice, in many ways there's aspects of Zen practice which embody both of these things. Um, and meditation Practices, generally speaking, meditation halls um, uh, can potentially be hiding places where you just sit quietly and you sit quietly in the corner for years and years and years and never really relate to anyone or you never really relate to the teacher and you just stay sort of locked in a little bubble of samadhi all the time. And um, if you practice like that, well, you, maybe you can develop a deep sense of samadhi and concentration when you're sitting on your cushion. But the question I would have in my mind is, how are you then in the outside world? How can you then relate to others when you're just in this little little zone, this little bubble? And if you read the Zen literature, um, you'll find that it's scattered with comments with Zen teachers all through the ages to um, challenge people to get out of that that, that mode. And it's often re referred to as being like a stone Buddha. A stone Buddha is not a compliment in Zen circles. <laughs> uh, just sitting like a stone Buddha, like lifeless. Like it might be peaceful inside that stone, like nothing's moving and nothing can touch it, but it's, it's not a live, vibrant 
kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And so meditation in itself, in, a, in itself is a kind of act of containment. Like you sit in that, that dignified position and you're quiet and you're focused. And all sorts of feelings and everything may go through your body and your mind, but you just sit there with it without giving it expression. That's an important, important part of practice. The other side of practice is where a relationship with a teacher and a relationship with a sangha come into play. And that's why you know, the three of those things are important. And um, koan study or daisan is a way of opening up to a teacher so there's some kind of expression that comes through, you know, to break down that, that barrier of being enclosed. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you develop a um, a trusting relationship with a teacher, as I have personally with my teachers, then you find it a really vibrant, you know, fulfilling kind of experience. And a lot of the barriers break down, and a lot of fears break down that wouldn't just necessarily break down just through doing silent meditation. But the other aspect in which it occurs, not just with a teacher, but with a sangha, by actually making connections with a, within a group of people who practice together, and opening up within that, and that requires expression. So when you look at it, Dharma practice embodies both of those different principles, and like I said, they're, they're not two opposites which, which are, they're not, they're not in opposition to one another, they're complementary to one another, and our practice is to um, embody both of them, both the, the inner silence and, and the openness of expression that comes with it. And with both, we learn to cultivate being a, a wise, open kind of person. I had a few brief, a few brief words. <laughs> 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 Once you get going. <laughs>